The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guys, up, giddy up, it's Friday. Welcome to another Failure to Stop Friday Breakdown. This is the Failure to Stop podcast channel, the number one show where police meets society and culture. We are a podcast channel for first responders to keep you guys, one, entertained, two, to keep you guys informed with practical news, and then also to give you informed breakdowns so that you have everything you need to get you through the week as a well-rounded first responder. Thank you guys for tuning into the channel. This I am with a 30-something-year experienced detective, <laughs> the easy, the steezy, the beautiful Drew Breezy, and myself. Uh, we have producer Deadleg Media back behind the scenes helping us out tonight, so for this morning it's actually it's not nighttime it's it's morning time so <laughs> apologize there we are live on the youtubes and the youtube chats lots been going on uh one we've had a death in the family uh which was drew breezy's mother so condolences sorry for your loss Thank drew you. but when one life is taken another one is given my wife could be going into labor today she's got a lot of feelings going on this morning a lot of scrambling going on she didn't sleep well um so you know, I don't know. Is this one of those things, Drew? Where yeah, uh, th- this is my commitment to the Wolf Pack. This is uh, I am more than willing to tag team with the Tansies, which is the the uh, title of my next book, by the way. And mm. uh, so uh, we essentially traded my uh, elderly. You know, she was ninety two years old. She roamed this earth for ninety two years. She did a wonderful job while she was here. Uh, she gave birth to uh, myself and, and two other big boys who uh, torture me constantly, even to this day. Uh, so uh, we we kind of traded her out. She's up there in heaven with my dad now, who has been waiting patiently since uh, two thousand four, I guess. And uh, she's uh, probably tugged her ear, which is the signal to uh, to to bring life uh, to the Tansy family, give life. Well, here on Earth. it was it was her time to go, and it's my time to shine. Sure, uh, and I pretty. I'm just kidding, but uh, as you long know, as you I don't always know, come though, out on top. Um, you know, according today's to today's um, story, did your father have three wives at least? Just the one that I'm aware of. Well, he is not going to be a god in the heavens. He will just be a mere peasant in the heavens, and your mother will then become one of the wives of the gods of the cult, uh, the FDLS, um, if I'm saying, yeah, FLDS, of the FLDS. So, unfortunately, Drew, if we're going to go by what Sam Bateman in today's case believes, your mom is merely just the wife of a god, and he gained his God status by having multiple wives here on this planet. So uh, uh, I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I've been, I, I was raised by my father. I, 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 you know, my mother and father, but I mean, like I get his tone and his tenor and, you know, his sense of humor and, you know, his hair. I, I don't see where he was a spiritual cuck. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know that spiritual. he would be, you know what I mean? Like he would, he would not stand for this. So right, right. I think spiritual cuck needs to be a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> spiritual cuck. Yeah, I yeah. think I thought it was. I thought it was right. a Tupac, a Tupac album. 
Spiritual cuck. Spiritual cuck leader, Sam Bateman. <laughs> um, no, but we are covering uh, the traffic stop and the arrest of cult leader Sam Bateman today. We're going to be deep diving the traffic stop. Now, if you want to deep dive the entire story of Sam Bateman and the FLDS, you're going to have to tune into the second episode, which comes out the second Sunday of Failure to Stop Night Shift TSI, top secret information, where we'll be deep diving the cult of the FLDS on Night Shift, going just in gory detail of his existence in the early 1900s up until the arrest uh, of the current uh, FLDS leader, Sam Bateman. And so if you really want to get into the cult mindset and mentality and really go into just the awful things that happened uh, in the last hundred years in the the FLDS, then you're going to have to to tune in Sunday night, the second Sunday of August, where that episode of Night Shift TSI will be. But today is going to be all about the breakdown of the traffic stop and how they put an end to this horrific. And only briefly are we going to touch on exactly what went on inside of this cult. Uh, but again, this is more about the breakdown of the law enforcement side of things. And the Night Shift TSI will be the cult uh, aspect of that. Uh, today's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. If you want to put me into a cult, if you want to join me into a cult, first and foremost, you better have some ghost beds lining your little sanctuary. I'm not packing up and moving my house and my belongings, my wife and my children to your little cult house unless you first and at least have a ghost bed, throw in the adjustable base, the ghost bed pillow, the adjustable sheets, and I'm definitely locked in. 100% chance I'm locked into whatever creepy shit you've got going on there, and you had me sold at ghostbed.com, and if you use that promo code Wolfpack, you're going to save your cult memberships, your cult followerships, a little bit of money. You can take a little less tithes and offerings because your ghost bed is going to be severely discounted, up to 40% off, 35% off of bundles and all sorts of things. Uh, that's at ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Honestly, if you're going to be one of these cult leaders, you're probably going to be into some kinky sex positions, all sorts of weirds and whatnots, and that's why you must go with a ghost bed adjustable base. Every real cult leader goes all in on themselves. It's all about yourself. It's all about self-gratification self-satisfying, satisfying yourself, satisfaction. Self-satisfaction is the word I'm looking for there. And so therefore, treat yourself to the ghost bed with the adjustable base so you can perform all the weird, creepy shit uh, that you induce on your followship, kind of like we do here on the Failure to Stop (laughs) Cult channel. We do have paid memberships to our Patreon. We got lots of extra added bonuses um just had a great t-bones with tansy episode sat down with the officer daniels probably the most famous viral police officer ever uh on comedy tour there with chelsea lynn working behind the scenes on her series and and her her movie series has gone on what an absolute funny bomb just a bomb interview uh it's called t-bones with tansy where i sit down and have a steak dinner with uh very influential human beings famous celebs of the like you know um we have a steak dinner together and i get really deep and dive into their personal lives in a very funny way and so if you want to be a part of the failure stop cult please sign up for our patreon to get you that extra bonus content and uh, sign up for our pay youtube like we have a whole bunch of people here in the chats that i'd like to acknowledge um as we do every single show looks like brian w is in the chats today we've got uh, i don't know because my computer just went blank but i'm guessing somebody like falconator would be in there oh, i'm guessing course. uh bosco autry's probably somewhere in there uh tactical dude will cray 
Uh, unless he's found love in the last few days, he's probably in there. So uh, to all those members that are probably in the chats that I can't see right now, thank you guys for being out there and that I have faith in our cult followers. Um, oh, it just popped up. Crockett Cassidy, welcome to the cult. Brian W. Well, obviously Yelkham they have faith Sons. in you or they wouldn't be a cult. Okay. Fair enough. Um, what, uh, speaking of which, in, if in this your, cuck that we're talking yeah, go, about, the spiritual cuck Sam Bateman that we're talking about today, if this motherfucker can have 50 wives in the span of like three years, yeah. Will Craig can find one girlfriend in the span of the month of July. So we're still yeah. on the search. Go to follow him at, at Will Cray on Instagram. Uh, handsome young man looking for love in all the right places. So, um, you know, if you if you want to, if you're single and you're ready to mingle, guy or girl, it doesn't matter. Hit Will Cray up in the DMs and let him know that you're thinking about him or at least that you're interested. Also, we have Factor Meals. Had my first Factor Meal last night. Now, Factor Meals is a new sponsor. and We're excited to sponsor them because they are fresh, never frozen, delivered right to your door in a little refrigerator box. Meals prepped and ready to go. All you have to do is heat them up in the conventional oven or the microwave, however you want to do it, and then you can serve them. While all your little buddies at the police department, at the fire station, or whatever are enjoying their little PB&Js and their little bullshit-packed meals, you can be having real cuisine. Last night I had cheddar jalapeno chicken breast with a onion-based coleslaw that was maybe one of the best lunch meals. It's It was restaurant quality. Absolutely incredible my wife had a uh, a mexican dish that she actually wrote down all the ingredients because she's going to recreate it at home for the entire family but absolutely amazing meals and you can plan these things out to be calorie conscious you can plan these out to be protein conscious head over to factormeals.com factormeals.com don't just type in factor meals because you're going to get all these other like promo codes from all these other people but go to factormeals.com use the promo code wolfpack50 get you 50% off get you a week's worth of meals so that you can try these bad boys out they're actually incredible and they come with the little breakfast shakes this is a strawberry banana smoothie, and I'm going to chug on this right now. Um, have you tried the Factor Meals yet? I'm I'm in love with the Factor Meals. You know, oh I, I wish uh, I had uh, something like this, and I know that they existed, but um, when I was out on patrol, this is perfect to throw into a cooler and not, you know, eat out every night when you're on your shift. Not I, I don't know if people in smaller areas do that or big cities or whatever, but... Uh, I know that we used to go try to eat at a restaurant, even on the midnight shift, we try to eat at a restaurant oh, yeah. every night. These things are restaurant quality. Like you said, they're delicious. I'm not, I'm not going to put Drew Breezy's seal of approval on any food because I enjoy food. And yeah. um, this, this food is phenomenal. And uh, my wife is a huge uh, Factor fan. And these... Um, these smoothies, it's brilliant. Just the, the packaging oh, themselves, like how, how it shows up at your door. Everything is, you know, when you get an Apple, when you get a new iPhone, how it's all in wonderful packaging and everything, it's an experience to open it up. Uh, that's that's how I felt with uh, Factor Meals. And, and, you know, so simple to make and so delicious. So delicious. Um, I'm loving the shakes. I had one yesterday on my way to the skate park. I've had one every single morning. I'm actually, uh, since I got the Factor Meals and we're hooked up with Factor, I'm on the weekly subscription. 
of the weekly meals, and I'm uh, I've created my own little diet using their website and everything, and I'm getting back in shape, losing weight. I got a whole regimen going on, and and um, literally my motivation factor there was factor. So thank you, factormeals.com. Now listen, Drew, we got some breaking news. I don't know if you have enough information to break it all down, but we do have some breaking news really quick before we jump into the arrest of cult leader Sam Bateman. Um, do you have enough to to update us on this breaking news? Yeah, it's not necessarily breaking. It was from the other day, but this it was an absolute. This comes from LawOfficer.com. It was an absolute ambush. Uh, authorities believe that the Fargo suspect was planning a mass shooting. Um, look, l- let me show you real quick uh, what he had in his cash while I uh, while I give you the uh, details of this story. Where did it go? Uh, so you can see there, uh, the guy meant business, obviously. Um, but the North Dakota Attorney General Drew uh, uh, Drew Wrigley said that he believes the, the suspect in Friday's murder of a Fargo police officer was planning a mass shooting. Uh, still very little is known about 37-year-old Mohammed Barakat, who was shot dead by another officer by the name of Zach Robinson after he opened fire on first responders at the scene of a car crash in Fargo on July 14th, killing Officer Jake Wallen. I'll show you a picture of him in a minute. Jake was in field training, and seriously, uh, he also this this guy also seriously injured Andrew Dotis and uh, Officer Taylor Hawes, a 25 year old Fargo resident uh, who was involved in the the uh, accident was also shot during the incident. He was transported to a local hospital with pretty serious injuries. The quote was in the wake of Muhammad Barakat's murderous, unprovoked attack. Officer Zach Robinson's use of deadly force was reasonable. It was necessary. It was justified. And in all ways, it was lawful, Drew Wrigley said during a press conference. And this goes right back to what I was saying last week and the week before and the week before that. Why are we so concerned about getting the word out there that, hey, this was a lawful shoot, as opposed to saying, hey, quit unlawfully shooting our police officers? So he had 40 rounds from a high-powered rifle with a scope on it. That's how he shot these officers. Uh, they, they believed he was using an automatic weapon, a weapon, but he was not. All of his firearms were legally purchased, so to speak. Um, and Robinson kept us poised. He kept us focused. He struck uh, Barakat from uh, 75 feet away, but he wasn't done. Uh, as Robinson moved closer to Barakat, only then did he see three officers were hit. We have three officers down. Send everybody is what Robinson radioed in. What a what a chilling thing to hear over the radio. But he absolutely ambushed them from inside the vehicle. Uh, they had no way to know, and uh, he didn't exit the vehicle until after shooting the three officers. I have a photo of the uh, vehicle. Uh, so you can see, oh, somebody else is trying to do the photos too. Uh, you, you can see that there's, uh, you know, shots everywhere, and there's gas cans and whatnot. Um, but he had 1,800 live rounds in the vehicle. All of his Jeez. guns were loaded. He was in possession of three long guns, four handguns. Uh, looked like there was a hand grenade involved in that. Um, so, you know, here we are. Here's uh, l- Let's do a little tribute to uh, Officer Wallen. Handsome fella. Uh, God rest his soul. He was uh, in field training. Um his obituary said Jake wanted to live a full uh, Jake wanted to live a life of purpose where what he did meant something at the end of the day and his short adult years were spent in service to others not only to his country and his community but he was also a dedicated uh, dedicated in, uh, to and loved dearly his 
friends, family, fiance, and his dog, Thor. His smile brightened any room. His laughter was contagious. He enjoyed uh, life and had it all to offer, a life that was cut too short doing a job he beloved. Uh, God rush your soul. He was only 23 years old. He was in field training. Um, don't let that discourage you from getting this uh, in the profession. Uh, in fact, let, uh, let Jake Wallen be one of your inspirations. And that's about it. Uh, there are bad people out there, and we are uh, charged with going out there and finding them and, and uh, ridding the community of them in any way we can. Well, uh, thank you, Drew. Um, and thank you for guys that are much like, uh, much like the Jeff there. Um, all right. Well, we ready to dive in today's, uh, today's breakdown. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, here we go. Is that playing through? You got to add it to the stream. Is that playing, Drew? Uh, it is now. Also inside the trailer, a couch, camping chairs, and a makeshift toilet. When they tried questioning the girls, this woman in the maroon dress stepped in. Basically telling them all. Then one of the officers noticed. A 14-year-old, she had a ring on her finger. <laughs> on her ring yeah, finger. They've all kind of like hidden those. I mean, they're... We, we, we know what's going on here. Police say the person driving the truck is this man, Samuel Bateman. Court documents claim Bateman is a self-proclaimed really prophet, part of the polygamous <laughs> group with the FLDS. Investigators say Bateman has dozens of followers and more than 20 wives, many of them underage. He's also mm. accused of sexually abusing multiple girls, trafficking them across state lines. As you can see, it's a pretty serious deal here. <laughs> Police tried to question him about the trailer. We're going to cover all of this. But Bateman refuses to answer. How many other people are in the truck? When another officer tries. Explain to me what's going on. Calm down. Bateman was eventually arrested. Put your hands behind your back. Unbelievable. All right. So let me see if is that removed. There it is. Yep. Oh, I just God. removed it. You back? Yeah, I'm back. Is it still playing or no? Nope, we're good. All right, good. Let's see here. Um, my computer is just going nuts. Uh, I got to fix this computer somehow. It's been doing that the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're talking about today, Sam Bateman. By the way, I had to interrupt the uh, video by saying things, because if you don't do that, YouTube will, will scrub you because you have to be reacting to the videos that you're showing. So I throw in a couple words there just to... Um, to do this but the reason why we chose to do this breakdown is one because we have our new show again night shift tsi coming out at the first weekend of august the first sunday the first episode is uh, project stargate but the second episode is this cult in particular and and so we're going to break down the traffic stop here um on this case because i think it's important to know that as a law enforcement officer or let's go one step further as an ems worker as an emt worker if you're not paying attention, if you're not focused, if you're so solely focused on the book and what the book tells you to do, you're going to miss certain clues of things that might be happening around you. And thank God that these officers were proactive officers who probably had some time under their belt 
How often, Drew, did you ever train rookies that couldn't get their heads out of the computers? Oh, quite often. I, I mean, this is, uh, I'll tell you, I would have academy rooms at a time, um, and I would have their attention, and I would always say the same thing. I'm going to say the same thing to all of you. Uh, your body is your best indicator, and when your body tells you something's not right, like when you don't, when the when the literal hair on the back of your neck stands up, or when you get that feeling in the pit of your stomach, don't ignore that. There is a reason for that. So, like this guy is doing traffic interdiction, or he's just doing a simple traffic stop, and he's like, something is not right about this, and he asks just an extra question, maybe extra two questions, and it opens Pandora's box. I mean, you know, the visual is that it opened. Uh, Pandora's box and all these uh, wives came pouring out between the ages of 11 and 14. Yeah. You know, uh, as a rookie, um, you're, you're kind of set up for failure from the beginning because the states have mandated so many training uh, hours. You have to follow this curriculum to a T. You have to hit the death by PowerPoint where you have to go through all 465 slides. Um, I, I think, honestly, that PowerPoint might be one of the most destructive learning tools for the military and for law enforcement. I think they took something that was good and just abused the shit out of it. Uh, I don't think anybody in the, in the police department would argue with me um, about how destructive uh, PowerPoint has become to the educational process because you're not really teaching anymore. You're going through the motions. And so what that leads to is that when you get to field training, again, we start to go through the motions. Some of you guys are out there are seasoned veteran cops and you might have fallen into this same trap. And they're not going to teach you this at in-service training because they're not going to get off of the PowerPoint. So the only place you can find this is with Drew and I right here. Well, we're not subjected to a training curriculums that have been mandated by the state or by senior officials who really don't have a clue what they're doing. Um, some of you are sitting with your training officers in the car right now listening to this. <laughs> and, and I would advise you to both pay attention to are you guys going by the books or are you getting outside the book and going in a little bit further to be actually become good cops? See, if you're going by the books, you're following all the rules, you're doing all the things in place, your head and your focus is like this. And you can't get your head out of the computers and you're running tags. And if you're doing that, you might miss the one very clue that could open up the Pandora's box, as Drew called it, which is some little fingers dangling outside the back of a trailer. If you're so focused on driving down the road and running tag after tag after tag looking for minor traffic violations, but you're not actually looking at what's going on, you might miss what's going on at the convenient mart. And that the convenient mart's got a flashing light going on for some reason at 3 o'clock in the morning that's just going off and on and off and on. And then you ignore that when, you know, you could have stopped a robbery in progress or, you know, uh, Lord forbid, a rape or something like that. So in this case, the officer had his head uh, out of his screens and, and he was, you know, being a, a diligent officer. And, um, and he sees these little fingers hanging out the back of a trailer and he, he makes a traffic stop. So, Drew, let me ask you something. Like, have have you ever been in? A, you you remember being a rookie, and it might be a little bit different to you because you were a rookie. Um, I don't, you know, back in the uh, horse and carriage days. Yes. Yeah. So a little bit different, but I remember being a rookie, and just being so like hyper focused on the rules, right? How do I make a traffic stop? Where am I going to make the traffic stop? Approaching the car. I don't know that as a rookie, two even two years in being a cop, I would have noticed fingers dangling out the back of a trailer. What's your experience with that? 
Uh, well, first of all, there were only 13 colonies when I was uh, doing traffic stops as a rookie, but uh, I'm not that old. Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ is old. Uh, listen, yes, yes you, you are focused. You know, I, I talked about this last week as well, where um, it, it's all in your training, too. Not necessarily your field training, but in your academy training or, or post-academy training or whatever. If you're taught... Uh, these no-win scenarios 100% of the time, or you're, you're taught that there's going to be a t- an attack at some point, you're going to get the jack-in-the-box reaction from these recruits or rookies or whatever you want to call them, uh, POs, because they're always waiting for the jack-in-the-box, though. They're always waiting for something to jump out, and they're missing the most key I mean, you know, they're missing the gun laying on the seat because they're so uh, mired down in the details. And you're right. They're focused on following the rules, making sure that uh, they they don't uh, say anything that's going to generate a complaint. I used to I had a a rookie uh, when I was a field training officer. I I called him the Editron 5000. Eddie was uh, he was a Marine. Uh, he was probably one of the funniest individuals I, I've ever spoken to. We we would have a, a million conversations while we're driving around. We were we would look at houses, you know. He was into real estate. Uh, he was just such a good dude, and we had such a good time. He, he knew how to bust balls respectfully because he was a marine, and he knew that there was a relationship between the FTO and the recruit. But uh, when when we went to a house, when we showed up at a house and knocked on a door. The Editron 5000 would kick in. Good afternoon, sir or ma'am. May I see your identification? Like he he couldn't be himself and just have a normal conversation once we started knocking on a door. The dude had nothing to worry about. He was a fire plug. Nobody was going to attack him. I mean, just on looks alone, they weren't going to attack him. But he's worried about following the rules. He's worried about offending somebody. And that's kind of where we've programmed people. And he was missing the big picture. So, you know, one day the light bulb went off. I had shook him up a little bit and, and the, the light bulb went up and, and off and man, within three or four years, this guy was a detective and went on to have a, you know, a very prosperous careers. But, and that, that's not my doing. That was his doing, but uh, you're right. And, and the other thing is this is generational Eric. Um, I, I noticed as a, uh, as a Lieutenant, not as a recruit, which is the question you asked me, but I, I noticed as a lieutenant, like today's generation, the, the millennials and beyond, um, are just so programmed and conditioned to have that head in the computer, like you say, or they text everybody. They don't answer their phones anymore. They just send it to voicemail or they text people back or whatever. Well, that translates to traffic stops. That translates to stopping people on the side of the road in, at two in the morning who are pushing two bikes. Like they would rather text that person who's pushing two bikes and ask them what they're doing than stopping their car, putting their back lights on and getting out and just kind of getting in their face. Like, Hey, I, like, I know what you're doing. I just want to hear from you. Um, so, so I, I do you know think what's we've funny lost that. when you say that Drew is that when you do talk like a normal human being, the rookies <laughs> and the younger officers are like, Ooh, Ooh, Tansy is Ooh, Ooh. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, just happened to be raised without screens. Yeah. And this is how you talk to people. So if I pull up to a prostitute and I say, Lydia, Lydia, look at me. Stop walking. Lydia, don't grow up. Lydia, turn around now. Turn around. What? what you, listen, 
<laughs> I'm working tonight, and you know that I don't put up with this shit. Yeah. Call it a night. You're done. Pack it up. And tell Tyron over there, I see him. I fucking see him. I see you. I see you in the car. I know what you're doing. Pimp, P-I-M-P, pimp. I get it. Not tonight. I'm working. You know I don't tolerate it. Maybe Officer Brown tolerates it, but I don't. Call it a night. Go find somewhere else to fucking do this shit. We're not doing it anymore. And the rookie would be like, oh, you we're going to get a complaint. Oh, we're going to get a complaint. Oh, and I'm like, what, what complaint are we going to get? They're... They're literally prostituting on your area, and you were just driving by back and forth, and then you literally were talking about how we were going to catch them prostituting. Yeah. That's probably not going to happen. We're probably not going to catch them because they have like they have more tools to get away with crimes than we have to fight crimes. So let's just call them out for it and tell them to knock it off. Like yeah, let's, look, try, let's start there. Let's start with at, telling them to just knock it off. If she's being rude to you, you always have the uh, the option. You tell the recruit. If she's being rude to you, you have the option to go over to her pimp and complain about her attitude. Right. Uh, because he will adjust it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If as his a pimp hand is strong, it, he'll adjust it. I like your point, though. It's we've forgotten as officers how to talk to people. And then when you do talk to people, uh, the rookie, you know, I still have probably a reputation. Matter of fact, there was a cop that, that arrested somebody that asked about me last night. And that was pretty cool. that He was texting me late at night and says, hey, I just arrested so-and-so. And he's asking about you. You know, it's been four years since I've been on that street. And I've arrested uh, the old man. But uh, he's, he's an old man now at the ripe age of 30. 30 in gang years is a lot. You know? <laughs> yeah, man, he's made it. Like he's. But you know why they remember like a me? Redwood. Do you know why? Do you know why they remember me? Because I talked to them. Yes, I talked to them, and yeah. I didn't talk to them like, "Hey, what are you doing tonight on this street? What are you doing out here on Cross and Fisher Street? Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. Oh, uh, what do I mean? I mean, are you banging tonight? Got your sir? ID? Let me see your ID. Do you have your ID? No, I would roll by and I would, you know, I'd be like, you play as playing tonight? What are y'all doing? And they're like, oh, God, here comes this dork, you know? And I'm like, oh, why are you walk Why are you walking away, Lester? Why? You Come on, dude. I thought we were friends. We were chatting like three days ago. You told me all about, like, all, all your stuff, dude. Remember, we went back to the station. We talked to you. He's like, yo, will you shut the fuck up, you know? Yeah, he's crazy, yeah. you know, and they they will never forget somebody like that. But I always tell the rookies now I became the senior field training officer on my squad, which was pretty crazy to me because I started out as being one of the, the dumbest cops, really. And, and, you know, I got to make it over to the senior training officer. And it got to a point where if somebody was failing field training from a different region or different district, the Sarge would put them with me because I had yet to fail somebody and I would do what's called breaking the academy. I'd have to break the academy from them. You learn a lot of great things in the academy, but there's a lot of habits that you pick up and I blame it a lot on this PowerPoint presentation way of teaching things. And so you have to kind of break the uh, the academy from them to get them to look outside the box, to think outside the box, to problem solve without trying to constantly be thinking of what's the right thing to do in order to, to you know, before you become a cop, you've got way more common sense of what's going on in the streets. But then when you become a cop, it's like you're dumb to what's going on in the streets. <laughs> right. Before you're a cop, you're driving around, you're like, oh, bet that dude's dealing in that parking lot. <laughs> oh, Oh, did you see that? Did you see that car over there? Oh, dude, that dude's racing. That dude, that car and that car are about to race. And then when you become a cop, 
uh, all and, this, and you're you're yeah. getting in the car. You're taking the next exit right before two cars are about to just really get on right. it all, and hit about two hundred miles an hour. You, you become a cop, like whether you're on duty or you're so right. Whether you're on duty or you're off, all of a sudden you need probable cause to make that judgment. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> like you know she's whoring. It's she's very obviously, or he's very obviously whoring with a wig on. And, you know, you're afraid to call it out because, well, you're in a uniform now and you're you're representing. No bullshit. Like, look, I know what you're doing. You know, I know what you're doing. You know what I'm doing. So let's, you know, let's stop bullshitting one another here. Uh, respect <laughs> gets respect. And we'll just, uh, you know, we'll we'll have a normal conversation. We'll carry on our day that way. You know, uh, there was a great comment up here in the live chats. I always like to address the live chats when something comes up because I always pay attention to them loosely. Um, but he says, like, are you saying that they shouldn't be spending so much time teaching the law in the academy or something to that effect? I can't go back up in, in time and, and find out what it, exactly the question was, but that's how I interpret it. Um, he says, I'm confused on the point. Are you saying you should have less time going over the law with future LEOs? So. The law is probably the hardest part of the police academy for those civilians out there. It's usually about two to four weeks long. I think ours was like four weeks long. Intense study and intense testing. And and it's not so much PowerPoint as it is you have a lawyer in there talking to you like a lawyer and you're kind of expected to keep up. And that's where they're going to drop the majority of the academy. I think we started, my academy started out with 56. Now, this isn't a big city, big city police department. We only had 56 recruits. Out of 1,200 applicants, we had 56 recruits. And I think by the end of that second or third week of law, which is the very first part of the academy, I think we were already downed into the 30s somewhere. You're going to lose a lot of people. Some people just aren't able to take tests. Some people aren't able to focus. I never went to college, so it was a real wake-up call for me. I didn't know how to take notes while somebody was talking. I didn't know how to highlight uh, a book while somebody was giving me clues. I missed out on all those keys because I didn't go to college. And so um, it was really difficult for me to get through those two weeks. I did make it through those two weeks, um, but with lots and lots of study and with lots and lots of help from my academy mates, luckily for me, I was self-aware enough to know that everybody else was taking copious amounts of notes and highlighting things. And I was like, well, I see a lot of people doing things that I'm not doing. So let me go to the smartest person in the <laughs> class and say, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you guys writing in these little notebooks? How do I know what to write? Because if I just write down everything, I'll just literally not understand anything. And so, you know, luckily for me that that person was able to, to guide me and to, to help me. So to answer your question, um, after the law portion, after that four week portion, you were then going to be just blasted with death by PowerPoint on lots of things. Uh, taser training, right? So you're going to go over the law, but then you're going to go through 460 slides of how the taser was invented. The, the, the academy has turned into uh, the liability shield for law enforcement agencies or for the, for the states that govern them Absolutely. anyway. Like, so, yes, you're right. We should be spending, uh, and Joseph, to your point, there should be a fair amount of time spent on constitutional issues, the 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 uh, the concepts of probable cause and reasonable suspicion, when you can detain, when you can search. All of these things can be taught to you out of a book, and all of these statutes and definitions and all this other stuff can be taught to you out of a book. Nothing is ever going to replace field training, and unfortunately, you're you're learning with. Somebody's literal freedom, 
So, so if you're learning as you go with a field trainer at your side or a set of supervisors at your side later on in your career, listen, there are probably 30-year cops that couldn't give you the definition of probable cause right now. They know the concept, and they know, uh, I think I got enough to detain this guy. I think I got enough, you know, I know the automobile exception. I could probably search his car. But there's a lot of probabilities. And if you look at any, first of all, if you look at the the Constitution, then you look at any uh, state statute book, then you go into all the case law, like Supreme Court case law, then you go into uh, field uh, 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 SOPs that each department has. There is no way you're going to learn all that stuff. Zero way. And, and that's the most daunting thing for a recruit to understand once they get out onto the street. The only way you're going to learn it is by doing it. And it's overwhelming. Um, it is Joseph, way overwhelming. I, I, oh, go, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, going. no, no. Keep going. Um, it's overwhelming. Uh, and I love that point. But Joseph Russo, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not picking on you, homie, on this episode at all. I love the points that you're bringing up. I love the questions. It's really no, why we started questions. this show. So I'm just going to keep addressing you, Joseph, not in a disrespectful way. I totally just having a conversation with you. Um, but he makes another great point. He says, making it through really doesn't seem to be enough. Only two weeks is crazy. It took me five years to become an engineer. Well, uh, so it's not just two weeks. It's two weeks of the law portion. And I would say it's probably more like four weeks. I, I probably misspoke there. Um, it's probably closer to four weeks. And, yeah. and it's very intense. If you've, and it, it, and it's, you know, it's full immersive. I mean, you're talking a 12 hour day, nothing but law, case law. You're watching videos of case law. You're, you're going over case law and it is overwhelming. I remember thinking I had just coming out of, of being in special operations. I, I had spent almost two years at the John F. Kennedy Spelcher Warfare College where I was hit with a fire hose of information. Um, and, and there's so much to learn. I mean, survival skills, escape skills, evasion skills, uh, uh, repelling and fast roping skills, not tying, uh, water, basic water waterborne operations and how to set up a boat and how to take a boat down, how to flip it over, how to, how to do these things, small unit tactics, a playbook that's hundreds of pages long on all these different plays of how to do different tactics in different scenarios. You're trying to learn a, a brief you know, education on psychological operations. And I mean, just every, you know, week to week to week, you're having to learn so many things and then apply it. So then I switched gears over to the law enforcement and now I'm learning a whole different side of life with a fire hose of information. It was very overwhelming to me in that first four weeks. There was a ranger in the class that actually approached me. Um, he actually won the Naked and Afraid uh, extended series. He did like the 40 days of Naked and Afraid or something. His name is Chance Davis. But I remember Chance coming over to me. Um, several deployments to Iraq, several deployments to Afghanistan. And he was like, yo, I don't know. Are you, are you, are you? are you able to understand any of this? And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm really not. I'm, I'm fucking, I don't know that I'm going to pass, you know, I don't think I'm going to pass this exam coming up. Like there's no fucking way. And he was like, Were you dude, like, like uh, I'd love to study with you, but I'm in the same boat. I feel just as fucking stupid as you do. Like this is fucking crazy, you know? And so I remember you, it being very Eric, overwhelming. Joseph was, was there a point where you were like chance? I would love to study with you, but you're standing here with your dick out. <laughs> Sorry, was, chance, was but, he uh, constantly naked or did he uh, just do that for the show? <laughs> no, you're right. Um, maybe if you take all your clothes off and, and they scare us. <laughs> like, let's just get comfortable. We don't have to make eye contact. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're just we're just going to be studying. We just we're naked. So what? Just studying. We're just studying. We're just, just studying. a couple guys. And I remember being like very overwhelmed on the law. And, um, you know, and, and, but after you pass the law, the law portion of four weeks, 
which there's a lot of stuff, you're then for the next four or five months, however long the academy is, you're going to be applying what you learn in that four, week, four weeks going forward for everything. So it never the law part never stops. It's just you get a crash four weeks course. It's probably one of the hardest crash courses in law, depending on which academy you go to. Now, some of these smaller departments, Joseph, they might just are like, checking blocks to get you out on the road to be a cop and that's where you have like really bad cops but in any major city where they know that they're going to be going to 30 calls a night 21 calls a night and and you're there's the chance of the city being sued is enormous remember pretty much where the cities lose all their money are because of cops and the lawsuits against cops everybody's going to sue a cop everybody's innocent ever you know the cops fucked up every single call of every single uh call that they go on and so the city loses a lot of money based on the police so they want to spend as much time mitigating that as they can so you get this four-week crash course in a you know bigger city places like drew worked and i worked and um and then everything else is just going to compound on that so when you go to taser training they're going to bring in taser law and all the laws that inform like inform you on taser and then you go to pepper spray and then you go on arrest and search and seizure searching house then you go to search warrants then you go to first responder stuff you know we spend a lot of time on first responder stuff then they added mental health mental uh yeah Crisis intervention. Yeah. Now, now you're expected to, on top of all these other things that you're trying to learn, now you have to become an expert in, is this person autistic? Is this person bipolar? Is this person schizophrenic? Is this person going through excited delirium? Is this, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. And then we got to go through all these scenarios to try to figure out. Then you, you know, they, you travel to the homeless shelters. You actually travel to uh, off, uh, crisis intervention centers to meet schizophrenic people so that you can get it. And then your mind, you know, for that whole four weeks is so hyper-focused on everybody having a mental illness, which is overwhelming in itself because that course basically teaches you that, ev- that everything is mental illness. So basically everything that you're arresting for is based on somebody's mental illness. The, the the think of this also not to pick on Joseph I'm telling you Joseph tell he he's a civilian he asks the most he asks the best questions because he's the most curious I'm not sliding anybody else in the chat or anything but Joseph has some great questions but you know Joseph it's engineering is somewhat absolute it's based in math probably or something to that effect so if you went to school for five years to learn it it's pretty absolute you're gonna know you know how far I don't know what kind of engineer you are like you're gonna know the the distance of a cantilever or you know what i'm saying you're going to know the structural stuff if you're a structural engineer there are too many variables to to teaching cops one because the wrong decision or wrong word or wrong move could end up getting you killed that's the big difference or thrown in jail or thrown in jail nowadays right or getting your department sued like eric just mentioned uh because like I said, th- th- there are no absolutes in these things. So all you could do is, is throw the best training, uh, you know, give them a good legal foundation, give them some good fundamentals of patrol tactics. But the politicians and the lobbies and all these other things have taken control of the governing body, like the Criminal Justice Training Standards and Standards and Training Commission here in Florida, and the legislature sets what's going to be in the curriculum for law enforcement officers, and if they want 20 hours of autism awareness and DEI, guess what? 
you're going to get 20 hours of autism awareness and DEI, and that's probably going to be 20 less hours of patrol tactics and safety issues, or that's going to be 20 less hours of legal. Like there's, there's, you know, high liability areas are always going to be taught driving, defensive tactics, legal, and um, I can't think of the fourth, but uh, they're always going to be taught, you know, without a doubt. But they can't keep adding to the amount of time it takes to train. An officer because the turnover rate is high. We'll never keep. We'll never catch up. Where I worked, when we recruited somebody, put them through the academy, put them through our post academy training, and put them through field training, it was about a year. It was about a year yeah. to get them fully Same trained. With and and, Same with us. and even then, they walked like Bambi on their first night out a, a, a solo. Like you, you, you really you're walking like a babe in the woods, and you're like, "Holy shit, am I doing the right thing here?" Or so I, I do understand your point that it takes you five years, but it, but there's there's a, a, a um, I don't want to say an endless pool of engineers, but there's not an endless pool of applicants to be cops right now, especially if we're going to keep throwing them in jail and killing them. That's that's and why then I say on top the, of that. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I keep no, no, cutting you off. Fine. I think I have a delay going on here again. Okay. Um, yeah, but on top of that, you know, you're you're not really a cop until your fifth year, um, and that's normally your your after your fifth year is when you start getting those cool patches on your uniform. Um, but before that, everybody kind of sees you as a rookie. I have always said you're a rookie cop until your fifth year of being a cop, and that doesn't matter if you're in a big city. Um, or smart to say, I would say in a big city working a, a high level crime area, that cop's got more experience in two years than a small town cop has in 30. Um, I think that some, you know, in some cases, as you'll read in my book, um, I've had one rookie that literally just happened to have the most insane first three weeks of being a cop that most cops will never, ever see in 30 years. He was in foot pursuits. He was in a gun battle where uh, his first foot pursuit, the man drew out a weapon. They made the tackle. The guy dropped the weapon. The guy, the weapon came back um, stolen. The dude had just murdered like four or five people. Um, and that was his first arrest. And then his second arrest was this dude that got shot in the head and his brains were spilling out the back of his head and he was holding the dude's brains in his hands. And then his next call after, I mean, it was just call after call where the craziest calls this poor rookie had. I write all about him in my book. Um, he's doing great. He's a, he's a great officer now. But um, my, my point being is that even he, I would say, is still a rookie until his fifth year because you lack a, uh, a confidence level. You lack an understanding of the law until then. And what happens now is the turnaround rate, as Drew mentioned, is so high that a lot of these cops that are getting into shit um, that, you know, people are like, well, these people are idiots and they're incompetent. Well, if you realize they're all in their first two or three years of being a cop. So yeah. it's not really ignorance or, you know, um, you know, because they're just ignoramuses. It's <laughs> literally because this job is too difficult to understand. And when you go through the academy and you learn these death by PowerPoint things and then you go out onto the street while somebody's literally throwing fecal matter at you and pissing at you and somebody else is videoing you while somebody else is yelling at you and you're trying to go back through your brain on what the law and what that PowerPoint says to do, you're missing big picture of everything. Also, you're probably getting hurt more than you should and or you're getting those people hurt around you, which is also stressful. And it's a very, very weird career being a police officer. And I, and I think that's why I love this show and I like doing this show because I don't think civilians really fully understand what cops do aside from when they get pulled over. 
And then depending on who you pulled over, as we'll see in this case, can really dictate what further policies come out. And so, uh, you know, let you shoot somebody or tase somebody that's autistic going through some kind of excited delirium experience and their family complained to the right people. And now all of a sudden your 20 hours of autism awareness has now gone to 40 hours. When if you really look at it uh, reasonably, nobody else would have made you know, a different decision. Right. Am I supposed to let him beat the shit out of me just because he has autism? You know, yeah. I, I like I, I do understand that there is a tactful way to do it. And I my, my heart breaks for for people who have, you know, children on the spectrum or whatever, and especially adult children that are on the spectrum. But, you know, am, am I supposed to just take the punch in the fit? No, no. And, and don't tell me that's what you get paid for. The fuck it is. I, I get paid to solve problems just like we just discussed, Joseph, and, and, and I get paid to uh, enforce the law. I get paid to protect people. I'll never let my authority overshadow my service, but I'm not paid to take bullets and get punched in the fucking face. That's <laughs> nobody. That's, I, I'm, that. <laughs> I'm paid to be respectful to people and hopefully get respect in return. I mean, like, and that's, we've that's lost civil the authority society. to do that because we've yeah. lost the authority to, um, to yeah. speak to people. Right. Yes, because we now when we speak to people, it's a complaint. I have a complaint that I used to have hung on my wall, my other studio. I need to bring it back into here. But the complaint was was one of my my first and only uh, real written complaints. And it says that Officer Tansy told the, the suspect or, or the defendant in this particular case that uh, I don't quote. This is on the paperwork. Quote, I don't hate you. I just think you're disgusting. <laughs> um, and, and I got written up and it was a huge IA investigation on whether I told this guy those words. Quote, I don't hate you. I just find you to be disgusting. Yeah, well, you um, told me the to reason never I lie. said that was because his house was covered in black mold. There was literally <laughs> shit in the sink because the, the sink, the toilets were clogged and overflowing. There were uh, children's dirty diapers um, that had more maggots in them. Um, there was uh, a cake that was so hard that I tapped it with my baton and couldn't break it. Um, there were dildos on the floor. And mind you, there were children in this house, babies in this house um, of all age. I think there was about eight, uh, eight kids ranging from about 17 down to about six months old, all in this disgusting house. And uh, the gentleman said, you know, this is your second time doing a search warrant on my house. You must really hate me. And I said, dude, I don't hate you. I didn't even write these. I find you disgusting. I find all of this to be very disturbing and disgusting, <laughs> but I do not hate you. Yeah. And I got written up for that, you know, and, and that what that precedent shows to the rest of uh, people going forward recruits is that you better watch out what you say because literally it could be anything that can get you hemmed up. And so we're really afraid to be cops. And what we've, what we have become is, is basically robo cops. We've become robotic cops. Somebody else mentioned, uh, real quickly here that the, um, they mentioned, uh, uh, how many times are you able to take the law portion of the course? Uh, you really only need to take it once because you can't learn enough law in five years. I don't think you can learn enough law no. in 10 years to actually go out here and be a cop. And if you were spending all that time to know the law like a lawyer does, then you have zero tactics, and so you're going to die as a cop. You're never going to get anything done. So I really think that it's just kind of one of those things that every cop just has to do their best. And I know that they say, well, do better. But every human being is different, has different skill abilities, and that sucks. But really, you know, all, all you can do is your best. And I hate this. We need to do more. Because there's just some things that cops can't do more of. 
Um, well, I, I, yeah, I, that was always my pet peeve when 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 an officer involved shooting would happen and somebody died and blah blah blah. It would always be the same thing. You guys need more training. You you guys need more training. If I showed you the first volume of training certificates I have from my you know twenty eight and change career year career, you'd be amazed. Like forty hours for this, eighty hours for that, for twenty hours for this. And those are extra courses that I took. I went, I went and got, uh, I finished my bachelor's degree, and I went and got my master's in criminal justice administration. Don't tell me I need more training. I know that I'm different in the sense that not everybody does that, uh, but a lot of people do. I mean, I, I'm not in a small percentage in law enforcement that has a, a master's degree, but I mean, like, a lot of people seek out extra training, and it's not just in their first five years. It's throughout their entire career. So... To, to hear someone say, you guys just need more training, I could see where maybe a small department doesn't have the funds or the sources or the means, and they don't get grants, and they don't get, you know, so maybe they just get their field training, and maybe they're just flying by the seat of their pants, and maybe it is on some of the bigger agencies to kind of take them under wing and say, hey, we're holding a narcotics class here. Why don't you send two or three of your officers? Um, you know, maybe maybe some of that can be solved, but to, to tell an American police officer that they need more training, it, it, like, give me a break. You know, I always hear this argument. Uh, I, I know a chef or I know a hair uh, barber that went through more uh, cosmetology, cosmetology course that was longer than your academy. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so, right. so if you sure. drop the fucking scissors on the floor, uh, it, it, you know, d during the cosmetology academy, nothing happens. But if I shoot somebody <laughs> fucking dead, it has deadly consequences. Don't, you know, you can't relate the two. The two are not relatable and it's not a time thing. It's, it's an experience thing. You've got to, you got to get terraforming. You got to make traffic stops with little hands dangling out of the back of the trailer to know how to handle the next traffic stop of human trafficking. Like, we, we can watch. We could show the video a hundred times. It doesn't mean that it's going to sink into every officer that watches this video that they need to look out for human trafficking or cults or whatever. I mean, it's just... And I love that, too, because when you go through this case that we're about to deep dive in, and when I deep dive it on uh, Night Shift TSI, you'll see that a lot of these sleuths Blame a lot of stuff on the cops. There's a lot of comments in the YouTube channels that the cops must be in on this. They know this stuff's going on. Uh, well, I, I hate to tell you guys, but um, you know we have a lot of fish to fry. And what church is doing cult-like behaviors is kind of over my head. I wouldn't have been able to tell you. You know, it would suck. And afterwards, hindsight, I would be like, man, I wish I would have paid more attention to yeah. that church. Um, but it's just not how it works. I, you know, personally, I think that police departments should spend more time uh, teaching critical thinking. I think critical yes. thinking should be a 40 hour course on critical thinking, problem solving and not problem solving by using the book. And we have to have patience with that because it's like the leadership courses in the, the, the military. They'll take these officers uh, in candidate schools, officer candidate schools or warrior leadership course, which I, one of the courses that I, I attended. I also attended the advanced uh, leadership warrior course, whatever it was for, for advanced non-commissioned officers. And, um, you know, it's still death by PowerPoint. And then they do like a 
four or five hour team building a thing where they want you to kind of move over the obstacles and it's not really taken seriously. And they're like, just do your best. This isn't pass fail. Everybody just kind of fucks around and jokes because they want to get off early for lunch. And so like, you know, everybody cheats on the thing, puts their feet where they're not supposed to and, you know, uses tools that they're not supposed to, yada, yada, yada. So my point being here is that we're still not even teaching critical thinking when we're teaching critical thinking. But I think we need to really spend 40 hours on problem solving because there's just so many cops that we need to be better at looking outside um, of that window so that things like uh, Waco don't happen. Well, there's also this little pesky thing. When it comes to churches and and religion, there's this, uh, I can't think of the name of the law. Oh, yeah. It's the First Amendment. Uh, Uh, So the First uh, Amendment, the the actual most important amendment to the Constitution, the first one, uh, guarantees that as American citizens, you can have the right to practice your religion. Now, if it bounds on criminal activity, it's a very sticky subject. The, The FBI is going through that right now with the whistleblowers coming forward saying that, um, you know, the FBI wanted them to start surveilling and, and recruiting informants within the traditional Catholic Church and blah, blah, blah. This is a First Amendment issue. There, there is a freedom of religion. You can you can practice whatever religion you, you want to practice. You can get up there and say that abortion is evil. You're allowed to do that. There's a freedom of speech involved in that as well. So, um, you know, there, the, things are problematic when it comes to investigating quote, cults. And, and, you know, I mean, Scientology, uh, you know, I'll probably be struck for even saying this, but Scientology is another classic example of it. They just, they, they, they bought up so much of America that their lobby became powerful enough to become a religion through tax exemption. Instead of just being a, an organization or a corporation uh, that had to pay taxes, they became a religion. You know, they lobbied and lobbied and lobbied until they got religious status. Now they have endless amounts of money to do whatever they want to do, and that's why we don't and, know a whole lot about the uh, the the uh, the Scientologists. And the Scientologists, since the '60s, have been inside the United States military government, uh, creating programs like Project Stargate. It's the first episode of of Operation. Uh, Stargate, Project Stargate, um, but that was, those were the the people who were in charge of Project Stargate were all Scientologists who spent twenty million dollars on this military project to fund psychics and remote viewers and things like that. So that's a lot of power to have as a cult religion. Yeah. Um, now let me take it one step further, Drew. We're talking about child trafficking. It's it's big in the news. It's been big in the news for about four years now. Thank God. I, you know, I love that. I like that it's coming to the forefront. I love how many people are afraid of it and are offended by it because I think it's really exposing. Um, I think we've always had a problem, especially in the churches, especially in the highest levels of government. The reason why I think that is because uh, a lot of your politicians start in church. Um, church is a great way to manipulate your power. I'm not saying church is a bad thing on, uh, you know, in Generally speaking, it's not bad. It's it's very good, but it's a very easy place to get your hooks in if you are a predator. It's a great place to go bass fishing, if you will. It's a pond stocked full of fish. Same with the Boy Scouts. Um, it, it, you know, it's target-rich environments, as I like to call them. And so a lot of these predators fall in line. They like to go to these churches. They like to go to uh, cults. And then they, they eventually become politics because what's a big thing that you can do in church? You can politic. 
right? You right. can become an usher. You can become an elder. You can become a, a, a Sunday school teacher. You can. There's a lot of ways to politic your way around a church. And people who like to politic or who are in, uh, love that kind of a drama and think they're attracted to that, which is not the right reason of being in church. And so you have a lot of people in there in the first place that aren't there for the right reasons. And so it's not, you know, it, it's not unthinkable to think. It's not unthinkable to imagine that these people would you know, be involved in some pretty heinous Manipulate. behaviors, Yeah, uh, you know, manipulators, and then they would eventually make their way into politics. So now that all this is being exposed, let's take it one step further, Drew. Um, how many of these 24-hour sex DVD stores are open in your beat, in your area, which we know um, from Reddit forums and from other Facebook private groups that there are glory hole nights <laughs> where people can pay and have their... Uh, you know, their oral sex satisf- satisf- satisfaction going on. Uh, we know for a fact that there's drugs being moved in and others because a lot of people don't do this sober. But how many times have you ever, as a police officer, in your beat, been inside of one of these 24-hour sex stores? Wait, while I was working? Yeah, while you were working as an officer, how many times were you able to investigate or go into one of these 24-hour sex sex places? Yeah, or no, the it, local it, massage parlor. I, I was going to make a joke and say not while I was working, but uh, no, that doesn't sure. happen. I mean, it's just. It, it, right. But we fact, know I, we know the massage parlor. We know it's a front. Yeah. As an officer, as a beat cop, you know that that massage parlor that you pass every single day is giving out handy jays and are privately trafficking Asians, but we never go to it. And if we try to go to it or we make a project, it's immediately shut down and nobody knows why. Dude, no, 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 you can't. You can't do a project on that. No, did, no, no. Can I take you on another journey? Did I ever, did I ever tell you the story? I, like I, I ran the vice unit. I, I ran a unit that ran, that, that did all kinds of stuff. We did human trafficking before it was called human trafficking. We did prostitution and we did, uh, uh, so massage parlors was on the list of stuff that we did. And we had a detective go in. And uh, the Asian, you know, she was from, like, straight from China, obviously. Like, they they ship them in from New York, and they send them to Florida, and they move them around. So you can't, you know, hold these companies responsible, or you can't arrest them, or whatever. And uh, th- they were on to kind of law enforcement. And, and basically what they said was, you know, strip all the way down. Um, and, and the masseuse was like, okay, I want to fuck you for free this first time. And, uh, the guy was, you know, the detective was like, oh my God, like he had to think of about a thousand excuses of why he shouldn't take his clothes off and, and get fucked. I mean, that's, that's why everybody is going into those massage parlors. It's not necessarily to get a massage. Uh, so he comes to me and he's like, uh, this is what she said. And, you know, and then she was grabbing me by the crotch and all this other stuff. And I was like. We're going to charge her with battery then. And he's like, we're what? And uh, my uh, my then lieutenant and captain uh, had a problem with it. And they were like, okay, exactly. fine, run it, by the, run it by the state attorney's office then. So I ran it by the state attorney's office, and they're like, no, you're, you can't. Like, we send an undercover detective, and he starts grabbing she starts grabbing his crotch that's like you know we, we have to take that and i was like okay so let me get this straight right. if if your wife goes into a massage parlor and a, a dude just starts grabbing her vagina you're gonna be fine with that you're gonna be okay with that like you're just gonna excuse it it's like uh that's expected it's a massage parlor and he was like you're right. File the charge. So we did file the charge of uh, battery on her, and then they subsequently dropped it. But, but right, they're definitely going to drop it because we kind of have this weird, kind of moral 
obligation to let this go. I, that, that's why I don't understand. I think it needs to change in this country. Um, because I think we've we've paved a way to make it easier for women in this particular cult is a great example to be trafficked and to be moved around um, because there are so many hypocrisies in the way that we enforce the law in regards to sex crimes. Yeah. If, if there is a gas station with gang members hanging outside the gas station, all dressed in their gang affiliated clothing, we can get out of the car and we can tell them to leave and we can have them trespass. But if we have a group of hookers standing on the side of the street, all of a sudden we can't disperse them. Right. You know, sometimes we try, but really when you start pushing it up the chain of command, the chain of command really does like in the case that you were just talking about, they drop the ball, they let it go. Everything gets dismissed. It gets dropped. It's because we turn a blind eye to these kinds of things. Well, luckily that these officers in Utah didn't turn a, turn a blind eye. So this happened on August 28th, 2022 when uh, some officers found a horse trailer being uh, driven down the road, towed by a uh, pickup truck. And the officer is not stuck with his head in his computer, but he is being vigilant. He's looking at everything around him. And he notices the bigger picture, being that there are some fingers dangling outside of this horse trailer. And so he, he, he makes a stop, and what he's going to find out is that there's a cult leader inside the car, and as they begin to question and, and think of things, they end up recovering many, many children um, between the ages of 12 and 14 who are all married to this cult leader. And this cult leader had been going strong since about uh, 2019. Uh, between 2019 and 2022, he had acquired 50 wives and 20, over 26 children in two years. Um, this was going back and forth between Nebraska, Canada, uh, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, where they had a whole bunch of these FLDS churches, and they were literally uh, trafficking children, and not just for money, but for political movement inside the church. And this is a very gross and disgusting cult uh, that was literally founded on moral, like degradation, like yeah. the, the degradation of moral standards. Using the Bible to again, this was a predator that found a way to manipulate people who were going to church, seeking some truth, seeking help, and they were able. Did I use those words right? Yes, Degrad moral degradation. Um, and that they snuck into the church. And this is why I've always preached that this is what's happening in the LGBT community. Predators um, have seen that this is a very easy place to infiltrate. Target rich environment. They get to hide under the guise of a religious-like cult being the LGBTQ movement. It is a cult because they're trying to uh, get other people to join their club. I, I don't understand why. You know, if you're born that way, yeah, I get it. But like, it doesn't seem like they're trying to go after people who are born that way. They're trying to like convince people to be that way the most vulnerable um, but they are they're taking advantage of vulnerable people and it takes away from the people who were born gay or you know who have yes. these you know medical you know I, I, however you believe in it but the way it works now is that the pedophiles are using the same argument that the gay people use for their gay rights and it's like we're born this way well they're born attracted to men we're born attracted to children 
you know, we're born that way and they keep trying to justify it. Now we have minor attracted person movements and, and it's all, they're basically taking what the gays use to, to get their right to marry each other. And then just, instead of taking out, they're taking out homosexual and adding minor attracted person in there. And it seems to be working for them at the moment. No, I Um, I was thinking of this definition thing the other day. I mean, this, this, you know, child sex abuse is a very near and dear topic to me for a few reasons. One that I'm a survivor. So, uh, but when you call somebody, think about this, not all minor attracted people are, necessarily criminal pedophiles because they haven't acted on their, I'm not, I I refuse to give into this minor attracted persons bullshit. First of all, I'm not calling it that. Okay. I'm not going to call it that, but, but I can see what they're saying. Like there are people that are minor attracted persons that never, there are arsonists that never set a fire, right? There are people that are just, uh, um, uh, like aroused by arson, but they've never really actually set a fire. Right. But because they have a discipline, they have a moral because they discipline. Have discipline, right? They answer and, to a higher calling. Like, but the I other, want to cheat on my wife really bad. Like, I think I was born with the feeling to want to cheat on my wife, but I've never ever cheated on my wife, right, and I never right. will. Like, I just but, refuse. I don't put myself in a situation because to do you it. have the moral turpitude. Um, but uh, so, know. so the other side of the coin, though, is that one hundred percent of the pedophiles that have acted on this, one hundred percent of them are minor attracted persons. So when you use the term minor attracted persons to say, look, not all of them are criminals. Every single one of the pedophiles are minor attracted persons. So you you are definitely associ- you have an association between criminal activity and that term. But no but but for some reason we're buying the bullshit that it's just like, well, well, not all of us are obviously, but for some reason the media is buying this bullshit that well, they're just me- uh, minor attracted persons and they deserve a a stripe on this flag that we've uh, you know that has grown out of control anyway. I think it's just a uh, what do they call those? A God's eye, you know, that they used to weave when I was in kindergarten. Uh, you don't even know what that is, do you? But at any rate, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. No, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the reason why I bring this up um, within the gay community is because, like, the gay community has been infiltrated with these outliers. And uh, the religious community um, has been suffering this since the beginning of time, um, where these outliers, um, these people, these manipulators, these predators, they infiltrate the religion. In this case, it was the Church of Latter-day Saints, um, and it was infiltrated in the early 1900s, and we're going to deep dive this later on in the world and go through all that. But basically, in short, there was a leader that that was from the Church of Latter-day Saints and Joseph Smith's the Mormonism thing, and he interpreted the part of the Bible about having multiple wives, and he convinced the people that if you had more than three wives, then you would be able to reach God status in the afterlife. And I actually have a real Mormon on Patreon to come in and break down the Latter-day Saints portion of this. Eric and, is frozen and kinda, at the moment. Um, oh, he's uh, talking about uh, Patreon, that he's going to do a, a deeper dive into this. So you'll know the, the case he's talking about is um, the uh, Bateman is the guy's name uh, from the Fundamentalist Church of uh, Jesus Christ at Latter-day Saints. He was also indicted for 55 uh, felony counts, and I think Eric is back with us. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, this whole thing started. Uh, you're right, Drew, um, and I was able to hear you. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm 
I'm bleeping out there um, with the internet. I think we have a storm rolling through here. But uh, essentially, in the 1900s, from the Latter-day Saints, on the Patreon, I do have a, a Mormon coming on to talk about Latter-day Saints stuff and Mormon things and all the different religious aspects of this, um, which is a follow-up to that episode, which would be very interesting on Patreon. But in this case, uh, he took the part of the Bible where you could have multiple wives. If you had more than three wives, you would reach God status. And then uh, when you get to heaven, you have God status. Unfortunately, as I, as I perceive this, and I'll learn more about it on Night Shift TSI, uh, there's not really much in it for the women, <laughs> except that you just get to be one of these wives. There's no well, God status for you in the afterlife. You just get to be uh, the wife, one of 50 wives to these fucking creepy perverts. Right. Um, and then when you're born into it, too, think about that, Eric, when you're born into it and you don't like you don't know any different or you know any better. I mean, you, you see that girl in the video that you showed. Uh, that one is just taking up for the rest. She's basically become the spokesman. She's just like basically telling everybody, hey, shut up. You, you can't talk to people from the outside world. They're evil and they're dirty and and only we can protect you. And she couldn't right. have been more than 14 or 15. No, I think she was 14, actually, um, with which we're going to play that video here in just a moment. But uh, yeah, so uh, absolutely been infiltrated. And these people are extremely confused. Uh, and it's something to be aware of as an officer that uh, you should be looking into your 24-hour sex shops because, like these cops, this has been going on. Underage sex has been going on through the Warren Jeff time. Um, back in, in the early 90s, this guy was arrested uh, in 2010. Uh, this other guy, the Warren Jeff, who was the, the disciple, the prophet of this uh, FLDS, and uh, he was arrested and sentenced to, to life and everything, but just horrific. And, and I'm going to read the indictment on the failure stop night shift. The indictment is absolutely insane they're letting these girls um they were forcing these girls at 12 years old to what make them watch the parents have sex so that they can learn how to have sex and then they will practice with the family with the parents using toys and things at the age of 12 um by the age of late 12 into 13 years old they are getting married to sometimes 80 year old men within the cult all these men um are pretty wealthy cult members they put all their money they're driving bentley's they're the this cult leader in particular that we're talking about sam bateman actually had two homes in colorado springs and he also owned two different bentley's um while everybody else is living on a compound and being you know kind of like third not third world but you, you know more like medieval ages living in a castle type deal um and so uh, just just insane things. And I'll go through the indictment on that show and deep dive it all. But think about this. Right? It's been going on for a very long time. And in in this very small. Now, this community only has 2,100 people in it. How many citizens are in Hillsborough County? Uh, 1.7 million, I think. 1.3, Significantly 1. more. Yeah. Um, and you have significantly more police officers. But, yeah. you know, in a town of 2,100, it's probably not unlikely that the cops didn't know that this existed, especially if it came out in 2010. So my question to law enforcement is, why hasn't this been a subject? And, of course, you answered it earlier of why it's not the subject of concern. It's because we have all this, you know, we have the First Amendment and we have to be careful of it. But I think it's because we've come too afraid to push the buttons. We've come too afraid to talk to people. There's nothing that the First Amendment says that a police officer can't go and say, hey, I'd just like to talk to you for a minute. They can not open the door or not open the door. But you can, you can as a cop, go and fucking do that once a week, once a month. Hey, man, anybody here want to talk? Yeah. They're, they're hey, so you're in that cold up the street. Would you like to talk to me? They can keep the pressure on. 
but I guarantee you they don't, and they didn't, and it's because we we it's just like we don't pop in at the twenty four hour sex store to make sure there's no kind of crazy uh, child trafficking going on. You know, I'm not you know I'm not saying that people you know whatever getting their blowies and things like that. I'm not crashing that break because they're going to go and do it elsewhere. I get the argument there, but where do you think the child predators are going to start out? Where do you think they're going to be? Should we not at least be running tags? We run tags everywhere else. We go through the Walmart parking lot and run tags. <laughs> That's we can't go through the 24 hour. Sex place and run tags. That's again another what? example of uh, in the state of Florida when you don't have a front license plate. If you if you pull into the massage parlor and all the cars are backed in, or if you pull into the the twenty four hour sex shop, all the cars are backed in. Good indication there's something illegal going on in there because nobody wants to be identified as being part of it. Right. Like if you, if says, Why don't we ever hear shit happening the other way around? There's actually called a th- there was actually a women's version of this cult. Now I think they were called. Brother, brother, wives. I think I'll I'll let you know on Night Shift TSI. It's in those notes, but I think it was called Brother Wives, and it was a female version of this cult where the females had multiple husbands. But I mean, none of this is real. God didn't talk to any of these people. Right. Let's be very clear here. Like I believe with my whole heart and soul, God didn't talk to any of these people and tell them to just go find beautiful underage females to make their wives. Um, and so we'll get back to this traffic stop here. Um, I think I'm going to have to. To share, you want me to you want me to find it and share and and share. I got it. I got it. I can do it right now. I've got it brought up. Uh, I just have to hit the present screen again. Of course, my my computer is a little bit wonky today, so we'll see if this make sure that this works here. Here we go. Let's see here. Is that coming up? I see it in the bottom. I don't see it shared. You want, there you go. Okay, I'm, sh- I'm hitting the button right now. Add well, to stream. Is that going to be streaming? Can you hear it? No, uh, there you go. No, yeah, I cannot hear it. But. Running. Okay. Let me go back to... This is them arresting um, uh, Bateman. Uh, uh, we just... I heard sound for a second. You, sir, okay. Any other weapons on you? No. Okay. Come over here, please. Nothing else on you? Phones? Um, What's that reach in your pockets? What's your name, What's sir? That? What's that? What's your name, sir? Samuel. Samuel? No, what are you saying about pockets? Do you have any other weapons on you? Mm. Please don't reach in your pockets. Just let me... Is it stopping? Yeah, it did. It stopped. Uh, I mean, good. Then the audio is the important part here. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. yeah. Why is this? Is that in Chinese? Are you... <laughs> I do believe the Scientologists have got to you. Really? Yeah. You, you... <laughs> oh, no. Do you have a hasp lock that you can put on that studio door? Oh, my gosh. It's not. Uh, it's not working. Do you want to bring up the traffic stop, Drew? I do. I will find it and bring it up just Unless for that. Unless it's playing right now. No, it's not. Uh, well, it is kind of, but I think I think the issue we're running into is also your... Uh... Is that coming through? It is. Uh, you got to adjust the framing of it because all we see is...
It's more so that we want to listen to it, Drew. I don't really care if they see it so much. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and take over for me? Um, <laughs> because it seems like my computer's just not going to do this. I think I have been hacked. <laughs> all right, let's see if this will work. Um, I've got stuff playing all over the place. Um, um, I got go it. ahead and play this for us. Go ahead. Okay, just give me 10 seconds. You're fine. Um, you're fine. But see, listen to how these uh, officers are talking. And you can tell that these are seasoned officers because they're having the conversation. Uh, but it is a little bit robotic, a little bit cop-like, but they are having some pretty decent conversation. Um, oh, I think you can see it, but now you can't hear it. Okay. So we're, we're still working through it. We're going to, we're going to solve this. I promise you. <laughs> this is so fun. And again, these aren't the Mormons. This is, this is a break off of the Mormons. This is the FLDS, which stands for the fundamentalist. Yeah. Latter-day Saints. Yes. Um, and the okay. FDLS has been around since, like, I think 1909. Not to be confused like with FDLE, which is something different. <laughs> Was that the Florida Department of Law Enforcement? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we able to get this up or no? Yep. It'll take 10 more seconds, I think. 10 more seconds. Uh, well, so in, in that case, if you guys want to join us on mybookie.com for the fights coming up on July 29th, we are doing a joint betting thing with mybookie.com uh, forward slash Wolfpack. Uh, go to mybookie.com, use the promo code Wolfpack, get you some sweet deposit deals, some free spins, some free bonuses. And then you have to let me know that you signed up for mybookie.com using Wolfpack by messaging us, DM us on the Failure to Stop Instagram channel. If you do this, it'll put you into a group chat where we are going to live watch the game together um, with the bets that we have put on the match. And these are going to be entertainment bets. This will all make more sense next week. But for right now, all you have to do is go to mybookie.com, use the promo code Wolfpack, and sign up and get you a MyBookie account today. And then immediately message us so I can put you on the list so that next week uh, you can be uh, in in with the group of uh gamblers of betters that we'll be betting on the fight going forward this is going to be a lot of fun that we're going to do you'll be able to i'll be in that that group chat as well um this will be a group chat over discord or of some kind of streaming service and uh and we're gonna have so go to mybookie.com and use that promo code wolfpack and get signed up and let us know on instagram in the dms that you've done it and we can add you to that list uh could you hear that by the way when i just i did i heard it yes oh good uh, okay. I think this is the screen I want right here. <laughs> There's nothing awkward about this. Don't worry. You can't you can't bring up Scientology without your computer's fucking crashing. Right. I know. Travolta. Okay. So. Uh, oh, this is I, this seems to be the same issue you're having. So I, I think that. This might be a StreamYard issue, but um, because I, I don't see a picture on mine. I think if, if as long as I can hear it, I think we're good. Okay. That's I really true. want to just hear the audio here. Okay. For you podcast listeners out here, I'm sorry. This is- right, I'm going to get that knife off you, sir, okay? Can you hear that? Any other yeah. weapons on you? 
Okay. Come over here, please. Nothing else. This on is you? from Law and Crime on YouTube. If you want to watch it yourself, oh. if you're one of the podcast listeners, type in just Sam Bateman. You'll see it. What's, that What's your name, What's sir? That? What's that? What's your name, sir? Samuel. Samuel. No, what are you saying, about pockets? Do you have any other weapons on you? Mm-hmm. Please don't reach in your pockets. Just let me. We're out here because there are supposedly people back. <laughs> He's like, where? People? So the other officer asks, is there anybody in the car? And he just doesn't answer. He didn't well, know what I to say. Inside the truck right now, so that way I know who else we're dealing with here. Or else I call everybody out. As you can see, it's a pretty serious deal here, sir. So? Now, as a as an officer, and we have state troopers and police on this case, uh, as an officer, you've got to be thinking the worst right now. Like you've got to know that this guy is giving all the indicators that there's some fuckery going on. <laughs> yes. um, you're like, how many people are in the car? He's not talking. He's looking all over the place. He looks sketched out as hell. By the way, Sam Bateman was always kind of like this cowardice loser. Um, in 1999, he was uh, escorting two females, 14 years old and 15 years old, um, to Canada. And the reason why he was uh, taking these, these they're the Cook sisters, he was taking them to Canada because they were not behaving in the cult. They were having fantasies of boys. They were misbehaving. They were sneaking out at night and talking to some of the other boys. And so they were taken to Canada to be with another cult leader named Winston Blackmore, who had 150 children. This was a fat, disgusting pig of human being that ran the cult, the uh, FLDS, uh, up in Canada, in the British Columbia area, and that this guy was going to get these two girls whipped into shape, this 14 and 15-year-old girls. Well, on their way up there, there was a big, massive car crash. All the passengers were ejected, and uh, Sam was airlifted. He was seriously injured. Uh, He had a brain injury, and he just never kind of recovered from it. Uh, By the time 2019 rolled around, he was a failed insurance salesman. Um, They went to Nebraska to go find some more work, him and a couple of the other FLDS leaders. But at the time, the main FLDS leader had been in prison since 2010. So there had been nine years of celibacy inside the FLDS community because the the prophet that was in prison had put out a thing that said nobody in FLDS, which was at the time like 10,000 people, weren't allowed to have sex anymore until he's case was kind of that God had called them not to have sex. Well, there was a rumor that he was dead in prison and that he wasn't there anymore. And while these men were on their trip to Nebraska, they began to talk about um, kind of the disorganization of the FLDS and how that some of the women were actually having sex again and that they were losing some control and some discipline over the women and things were just kind of in disarray. And so uh, Sam Bateman at this point in 2019, uh, three years prior to this traffic stop, had thought to himself, wait a minute, I could return back and say that I had a vision and that I'm the new prophet. And that's exactly what he did, except only 50 people believe that. Well, he got 50, 50 to believe men who it, had I mean. multiple wives. Yeah. And so he convinces these 50 men to kind of branch off on their own FLDS kind of adventure. He marries several of their wives and their daughters, again, forcing their daughters to watch um, these other men have sex with their mothers and then learn how to sexually please Sam. And then they were ended up going over with Sam Bateman. I mean, the indictments are 
insane. Of course, we'll, we'll go over that another time. Um, and, in, and in the span of this three years, he goes from being a nobody, a failing insurance man, to having two homes in Colorado, two Bentleys, um, 50 wives, and 26 children. One of the youngest uh, of his wives was nine years old. So um, nine, ten. This guy was just a sick, fuck, failed, creep, pervert scumbag that had infiltrated uh, a religious community as we talked about and so now all of those cowardices all of that stuff is coming out on this traffic stop he doesn't know what to do he's looking all around he's looking over his shoulder and these cops are picking up on every right. indicator <laughs> this guy is doing a terrible job plus you know we have the initial officer who saw fingers coming out now We've had some pretty bizarre calls as cops. You know, sometimes other officers think they see something and they don't. And, of course, they get shamed for it. Or they do this big, giant search warrant. It only comes up with one crack rock. And then, you know, we, we give them the crack pipe of shame or whatever it is that, <laughs> that we shame them with or haze them with for being wrong. Um, so in this case, I know that that officer's like, God, I hope there's kids in there because everybody's going to make fun of me if I miss all these fingers but now we have multiple jurisdictions and agencies pulled over this vehicle um and go ahead and hit play from where we're at he's uh he's giving you an indication of like what truck i don't even know which well i don't even know what truck yeah. you're talking. oh the big white one over there yeah i get it that i just got out of yeah well, that's right <laughs> i'm asking Do i have to give you my name sir Oh, you can hear him knocking. Oh, no, name? it's the officer's knocking problem. Oh, here comes the crossed arms. Samuel, what? Is he the driver? Yeah. Hey, you're not the by yourself. You understand that, right? I, <laughs> I love this. Samuel Bateman. I don't understand. What, what are you doing? We're trying to Samuel, make sure. I, people... I just got here. Explain to me what's going on. Calm down. Calm down, he says. <laughs> Calm down, sir. It's like, no, 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 you calm down. <laughs> All right, pause it really fast. So you have an officer who, who shows up, and, and he's a senior officer. He's got stripes on his patch, on his on his uh, uniform and things like that. So you know he's been there a hot minute. And he's like, yeah, we fucking know what's going on. Like, you've literally given every <laughs> indicator that you have fucking human beings in the back of your trailer. Like, let's drop the act. And he's just had enough of it. He's like, hey, man, why don't you just tell us what's going on? Oh, and by the way, you have to give us your name because you were driving that truck over there. So, like, let's go. Like, what, do, what are we doing here? And the guy, Sam Bateman, turns to the cop and goes, calm down. And the cop's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Like, this fuck is that? Like, for me, this would be where Tansy goes, "Hey, dude, don't act like I didn't just see somebody's human fingers crawling out of the back of that thing." Like, let's just be really clear. I've pulled you over because I suspect that there are humans in the back of your trailer. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the state of wherever the fuck this is, you can't just pull Arizona. human beings around in a horse trailer. Yeah, so right. like, reserved for horses. Let's cut the baloney. Let's cut the malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> right he's he is totally pulling the uno reverse card on but this. isn't it like, crazy that none of the cops are like coming out with it like because we're so afraid of talking to people bluntly that yeah. they're kind of like well uh yeah you have to give us your name but why uh because this is a traffic stop like if you would have just said <laughs> like, because there's humans in a horse trailer in this parking lot right that's why and he's now like, we well, can like really see what's going on like i don't understand like this whole this this crazy thing that's come over cops where it's like we cannot like we can't tell the truth we're like oh, i don't know I, maybe the detectives have to ask him that or i don't want to like give it up to the detectives you know, i don't want to blow the case like i can't 
you yeah. know? So instead, I'm just going to say it's a traffic stop. Like, no, motherfucker. There's human beings in a horse trailer. Uh, you know, my, my favorite kind of interview tactic is when somebody starts getting in your face about, are you calling me a liar when you've caught them in an obvious lie? And yes. I mean, yes, <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, I'm saying you're lying. I'm not, I don't know if you just go around lying to everyone, but you're lying to me right now. I mean, <laughs> so if you want to be identified as a liar, I'll call you a liar, but I'd rather you just tell me the truth. I mean, right. You know, a lot right, of so beating around the bush here. He's, a lot like, of yeah, he's like, what, what trailer? He was like, I, oh, this is where I would just come out with it. But go ahead. <laughs> look, it's not as many kids as you think. That, that's the look on his face. <laughs> there are kids. It's just not as many as you think. But those Where's are horses. They're all horses. Okay. I'm not going to give you my birthday. Like, all right, put your hands behind your back. Now, this is a tall tale that he's a coward. Watch. Put your hands behind your back. Let's not do this right now, huh? You are being detained until you identify yourself. Do I have to tell my name? Yes, you have to identify yourself. You are being detained for a crime. <laughs> Stop. Stop really quick. So, I love this senior cop's attitude just from the beginning. He's like, what are we doing, guys? Like this mother, like we're gonna we're keep we're gonna keep playing games. A guy, we're like it's a traffic stop, and he's not giving your name. Like let's go ahead and like slap some cuffs on here. Like let's get this ball moving. I love that. He bends the guy over. He's like, put your hands behind your back. And he's like, no, you're being detained until you give us your name. The guy's like, do I have to give your name? He's like, yeah. And you're going into handcuffs until you give his name. He's like, my name is Samuel Bateman, born on July fourth, nineteen forty four. But you know what I mean? Like the dude is such Simple. a coward that he just spills all of it. Like, do I have to give you my Christian name? Or do or can I give you my profit name? It's like my blood type is so positive. <laughs> right? It's so simple. Like just give them your name. Why are you afraid to give them their your name? I mean, like that that could arouse Go suspicion. Um, don't do that. Yeah. Um. I missed that sound. I gotta be honest. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everyone buckled in, and in Arizona, then you can be in the back of the vehicle without a license, without a license. You can be in the back of the truck. Sir, you're being locked in your vehicle, okay? We're just going to identify you, figure out what's going on, and we'll go from there. The reason I'm detaining you is because you failed to identify yourself when I asked. Okay? Okay. I don't see this is again like this is more of that like PowerPoint. This is like where we become as a police state. Like I'm detaining you because you went you. I'm detaining you because there's fucking human beings <laughs> in your truck. Like now, now that we got the hard part out of the way, I mean, I, I can see like he's probably in his mind thinking, and I'm not criticizing this guy. I mean, like he's. he's I know these cops did a great job. Too, these cops did a great job. I just I do think it's it's, it's uh, he's being in 2022. Thinking, we're at the height of all of this <laughs> right. craziness. Yeah, and, he's, and and I, you I've, can see it because you would have rewinded this five, six years earlier. Those cops would have been like, yo, <laughs> why do you have fucking people in your horse trailer? What kind of satanic shit's going on here? <laughs> like, I, you know pile. what I mean? Like, they would have been like, if I open this trailer door, how many humans are going to be in the back of it? And why are they back there? And I'm going to I'm going to give you one chance to be honest with me or I'm going to make it a really bad day for you. You know what I mean? Like we would have talked with some authority. We would have talked with some like. But now we're like, sir, I'm lawfully detaining you because you failed to give us your identification. Meanwhile, there's people cooking in the back of this trailer. (laughs) But 
those are actual like investigative steps that are you're taught like you're you're checking stuff off off of a checklist let them know why you're being detained let them know what they're being charged with let them instead of saying look we've played the game we're at this point now you're you're detained and that's that's that so how far do you want to take this like do you want to do you want to carry this lie off for another, you know, or are you going to show me the little bitty fingers that were sticking out of that trailer door a minute ago that you're going to, you're pretending like I don't see, you know, you just, this is all a part of reasoning. Sometimes they need to reckon with the fact that they've committed a crime and they've been caught. So throwing a little cold water in their face sometimes helps you out a little bit. Go ahead and hit play on that. That would have worked too. <laughs> now he's giving up his social security number. He went from like, I'm not telling you my birthday and my name to like, do you want my social security number? <laughs> I have, yeah. I have my DNA profile if you'd like that. Sammy, what's your All name? Right. I already told you. What is it? I love that too. I already told you. <laughs> yeah, bitch. Well, you're gonna tell me again. What well, did you see like, me write it, it down? <clears throat> like I don't that? remember it. Did, well, did you see me write it down? I don't remember it. Just tell me again. How about that? Yeah, I always like that. I've already given you my social security number. Yeah, bitch. Well, give it to me again because I'm <laughs> filling out a different form. So. Now what we have blurred out is a whole bunch of women. All dressed like uh, peasants from Narnia coming out of the back of this vehicle. The back of this vehicle is a camper. It's got camping chairs in it for them to sit. It's got a toilet, makeshift toilet. Like, I, I find it funny. We'll talk about this on Night Shift TSI. But these women are basically reduced down to absolutely nothing. Um absolutely reduced to being in the back of a trailer trafficked around and having sex with multiple human beings chosen whom they're going to marry. And then when they get to heaven, they just get to be wives of more gods really don't understand this. But of course I've never been brainwashed, yeah. you know, well, and I right. guess if these kids have been taught this since they were, you know, little but, babies. Yeah, that's exactly that's what I was going to say. They're programmed to believe that they're doing this for the greater good, that they're doing this on behalf of this, prophet who is uh as b trav called him denim dan you know they think that he is actually a prophet of jesus and he drives a black ford f-150 with a horse trailer i mean you know i don't know if that's exactly what jesus had in mind for his prophets but maybe that's a company um, car cupcakes and came says women are girls i mean honestly these these girls um they're again between be nine and 14 nine and coming 17. out of the back of this thing yeah um but they're all married so does that make them women? I don't know. Right. Uh, when does a woman become a woman? But uh, very sad, very disgusting, very disturbing that this has been going on in an area of only 2,100 people and no cop has had the wherewithal to, and I'm sure the cops have. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that upper management never to be, you know, that's why I always make fun of upper management because it's always them. It's always, it's it's never the street level cops. It's always the higher echelon has somehow fed information that this is off limits. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know why, but we have this in every jurisdiction. 
I know me as a cop, I was never allowed to go to the 24-hour sex shop and run tags. Wasn't allowed to do it. I could go run tags anywhere else in the city that I wanted to. I could leave my jurisdiction and and go run tags, and nobody would give a fuck. <laughs> because but if I rolled gonna... through the 24-hour sex shop and ran tags, all of a sudden, you know, you can't do it. I got caught doing it one time. Um, I had a guy with a warrant. And they literally saw my GPS sitting there, and they said, what are you doing? I said, I was running tags in the 24-hour sex shop. I was a rookie, and there was a man that had uh, had warrants. And they were like, you can't sit in that parking lot. You have to leave. And I was like, no, this guy's got warrants. And I've already asked my supervisor permission to go in, and he said, just wait till he comes out. And they're like, you can't sit in that parking lot. And you can't go in and get them. Right. We don't want you to discover the mayor in there, or one of our fellow officers but isn't that like in the time that like street like and street cops have been over the years the last five or six years beat down to just follow it and obey and say yes yeah. i was one of them like I, but i mean i did question it and i did make us think about it and i did i did sit across the street from the 24 i never stopped pushing that gray area of trying to figure out what was going on there um I would I would let Vice know that I was able to find places on the internet that was saying that they were doing, you know, different events there, and and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool, buddy. I mean, you know, I think um, like the Tampa officers here to abate some of the moral crimes that happen in in like there's an area known as Drew Park, um, and that's where a lot of the sex shops are. Um, I, I think that they they patrol the streets the the like the feeder streets or the surrounding streets in the area because that's where the prostitution activity is happening too. Like it's not necessarily going to be happening in the parking lot for them. So, the, you know, I, I think, I think you're right. There's probably upper management that is saying, Hey, let's, uh, let's make sure we yeah, we're encouraged out of there. to walk through our local convenient marts. Yeah. Right. Make sure they're not, they're not <laughs> selling <laughs> illegal food stamps. Why are we harassing the Indian that owns the mini mart? over yeah. uh, food stamps and Lucy cigarettes, but we're not harassing the, you know, white, creepy, 45-year-old Ron Jeremy-looking motherfucker <laughs> that owns, you know, the In Me shop that says everything in me yeah. um, as its title. But we can't just walk through there and make sure they're not fucking selling underage children or porno to children or... Like, you get it? Why can we look... At convenient marts for Lucy cigarettes, but we can't go to these sex shops to make sure they're not selling underage porno DVDs. Sure, good point. Why can't Why can I, as a cop, go and try to literally in my uniform be like, "Yo, can I grab a Lucy?" And they'd be like, "Sure." And then I'd be like, "You know, you can't sell Lucys, right? You dumbass!" Especially right. to a fucking unified cop. Like, I could easily go and call the ATF right now and like fuck you over. That's over and beyond. But and then they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I did not know. And I'd be like, all right, who who has given you the loose? Like, and then you can deep dive in there and they're willing to spend means. Why can't I go into the sex shop and be like, yo, I'm gonna buy that DVD right there that doesn't have a cover on it that says young? I'm gonna buy that right now. And they're like, no, I can't sell it to you. And be like, why not? Oh, I can't sell it to you. No, sir, I'm a paying customer. I can buy that DVD right now. No, 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 no. You're in uniform. I'm not gonna sell that to you. No, 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 bitch. I'm buying that fucking DVD. I can buy whatever I want in uniform. And then I can go and, and, and turn over said DVD uh, to detectives, sex crime detectives. We can't do that, though, Drew. We yeah. can't do that. Lucy cigarettes, we can ruin a convenient mart over, but we can't ruin a sex shop well, think about over it, DVDs though. that they're not supposed to have. That's a tank, that's a, that is a uh, state tax stamp issue. 
So, so when they circumvent that, when they circumvent selling cigarettes by the pack, you have to have a tax stamp on the bottom of them to show the state of North Carolina that you've paid your dues to be able to sell that pack of cigarettes. And if you sell 20 of those cigarettes as single cigarettes, there's no tax stamp on that. So you could have acquired them illegally, and North Carolina didn't get their cut. Whereas when you show the illegal porn of a child <laughs> that's on the shelf in a uh, sex shop, the state's not out anything. You know what I mean? In fact, the only thing they're out is they paid you to be in there when you could have been somewhere else enforcing their tax laws. And you can literally screw the kids. You just can't screw the government. Yeah, you can't. That's right. Can't screw the elites, man. Um, There you go, Jonathan Bates. You can screw over kids, but not the government. Well said, brother. (laughs) Daniel Keat, every cop in that town were handpicked by the cult leaders. You know, uh, and that's very possible, too. Um, I always say that, like, higher leadership is handpicked a lot of times by the city manager. If you have a corrupt city manager, who do you think the city manager is going to choose to be your majors and your chiefs? Because they get the automatic sign-off. So when you put a corrupt politician into place, they're going to put higher. Now, you know, these majors and these captains and these chiefs, they didn't start off as corrupt cops. Yeah, but right. these corrupt agents, these corrupt uh, higher echelon city managers, city mayors, these politicians who are all corrupt, who a lot of them got there again, their starts in the church or, or in you know other ways that they can politic their way up and move up a political ladder somewhere or the other. They have a good practice. They're the ones that are promoting these guys, these yes men. So it's all the yes men, the ones that fall into place that started out as being yes men in the right race, right? The yes men, I'm going to follow the law to the absolute T. I'm going to follow every policy to the T, even if it means a suspect gets a way i'm gonna follow the t but i'm a yes man i'm a yes man and then those yes men keep getting promoted and promoted and they never ever question the system and then they're like these cult these uh the cult victims where they fall into the cult of the city manager and then they start carrying out these like weird wazoo crime mappings you know you know as a major that cops on dots isn't racist you know that cops on dots keeps your uh community safe but it's keeping it too safe and so when the city manager gets rid of it because it's going against an evil agenda you're a yes man. And so you take away valuable tools like that. And, um, you know, that's where it gets you. But it, it's very strange. You know, and I encourage you as a street level cop, if you're into this movement, this anti pedophile movement, if you're a warrior, if you're a protector, you know, I encourage you to take a stand and to dive into these things. Go deeper. Don't be a yes man. You know, whistleblowers, and, and, and right now with, with Reddit, with threads, with all these things, being a whistleblower, um, the more people whistle, they can't kill all of you. They can't suicide all of us. You know what I'm saying? Um, you, know, uh, you know, start pushing those limits. You know, I, I think it's time that we take back the moral standards that we had here in America, and, that, and that's by protecting the kids. Uh, we protect the kids from smoking cigarettes. I think we should protect the kids from pornography. Protect the kids from, if you're sitting in church, don't just assume that everybody in your church is on the up and up. I've always said when you're sitting in church, it's not, I wonder if there's a pedophile in this church. It's which one of these motherfuckers is the pedophile in this church? Because that's where they're going. (laughs) Bass fishermen go to ponds that are full of fish. Predators go to where there's a target-rich environment. And the church is a perfect place. Boy Scouts is a perfect place. I don't let my kids spend the night with just anybody. I need to know these parents. I need to go have dinner. I need to break bread with these parents before I allow my child to sleep over with them. I need to know who they are. It's very difficult. It's very difficult when you have children because they really want to spend the night and you're the bad guy. Um, 
but but you got to draw a hard line. Go ahead, let's keep going. Let's we'll wrap this up. Shoot. You know, and this is basically essentially the the traffic stop. We don't need to go into it so much further. They do recover all the women. They arrest him. He gets bonded out. He kind of goes on the run for a little while. Um, those women, in particular, were sent off to a group uh, to a group home by Child Protective Services. Um, I think three out of the four. Um, fled, and again, you'll hear this whole story on Night Shift TSI. They're going to flee um, back to the cult, um, and uh, and then the FBI is going to get involved, and they're going to uh, and they're going to put an end to this this whole ordeal. Um, but this all just happened within 2022, Here's- and um, but it really kind of goes to show you that these the movies that we're watching, you know, out right now that we're seeing so much about. Um, Get that other door open. There was hands sticking out of the top of the trailer. Oh, yeah, here we go. Out of the top of the trailer earlier. Let's see them. Now you got all these girls hiding in this horse trailer. Behind the curtain. And now they've got cops all with their guns drawn. They don't know what they're getting into. Walk out towards me, okay? Try not to slip, all right? And now you see that his voice has changed now that he sees that it's a young girl. And just think about what your heart is doing as a cop right now, guys. You talk about we talk about pod death by PowerPoint. Which PowerPoint prepares you to emotionally deal with this? The fact that these cops don't turn around and execute this dude on the spot. The fact that they don't go and fuck start this dude's face with a buttstock, one of those rifles. Um, every one of these cops, I guarantee you, wants to cry. Every one of these officers right now wants to call their children and their wife. I promise you, I've been there. I've been in a situation, you know, not this situation, but I've been in a situation where I just want this to stop. I want to go call my wife and say, I love you really fast. I'll get back to work. Um, They're all feeling that right now. They're all feeling disgusted. They all have that little frog in their throat. They can feel that pit in their stomach beginning to rise up to their esophagus as they want to vomit. They're seeing the toilet right now. They're seeing the chairs. They're seeing the clothes. They're feeling the heat of the trailer in the hot Arizona sun, um, all of these things they're witnessing. There's not one fucking PowerPoint that's going to prepare you for this. Yeah. He bonded out on a $168,000 bond or something like that. Um, and sound of freedom is a good example of this. Michael August says, uh, you know, we really, really do have to start convincing those around us to not be afraid of this, of being against this pedophile movement. This is not a left thing. Please don't make it a left versus right thing. You're doing just as much damage, you know, when you talk about Democrats being pedophile protectors, even if that's what you feel and believe in your heart. Um, you can't, we can't make this a political divide. We have to unify on this. We have to become one as we attack this head on. We, you know, it's come to the surface. It's boiled over. We have to protect our children. We have to go back to protecting the kids. We cannot turn a blind eye to these things, to these cults. There's a cult on 95. You can read all about it. Every time I drive by it on the way to the Fayetteville skate park, we see it. I've read the, the documents about people fleeing from it. You know, uh, We have to start trying to expose these things. We have to do our own research on these things. You know, We have to bring it up to law enforcement to question it. If it takes hanging out at the Waffle House... Maybe trying to just ask one of these cult people if they'll talk to you for a minute as a civilian. Hey, what's going on in that building? You know, read their read their uh, read their behaviors, read their what what their their uh, 
behaviors are like. And, uh, and we need to put some pressure on these folks. We need to let America know that this isn't a place for that. This isn't a place for that anymore. I do think uh, it is important to note in this episode in particular that this is a uh, splinter group of the fundamentalist church of, the, of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So when you just say LDS, <clears throat> that's Latter-day Saints. That's not necessarily what, the, what they subscribe to, but uh, this guy is that splinter group. That's why the F is in there. Right. And, and so here, and this is like where I don't want people to get confused either on the church. And I went into this on last call, you know, pedophiles are going to infiltrate the church. It's going to happen. And they're going to politic their way to the top of the church. They're going to do that. Why? If you're a predator, if this is what you do, why, why would this not be your sole goal in life is to manipulate something as easy to manipulate as the church? Why would that not be where you start? Why would you not start at the boy scouts? Why would you not? So it's not the religion that's bad. It's these predators. That are, why wouldn't you take advantage of the LGBTQ community by adding a plus sign so that you can bring sexual deviancies? Why would you not infiltrate that? And why would you not strategically, politically um, get your way to the top to where you can literally have free reign? I mean, look at the LGBT community. They're shaking their dicks in front of kids at parades now. And it's not the LGBTQs. It's not the Latter-day Saints. It's not the Catholics. It's not the Christians. It's these predators that have moved their way in and have politicked themselves to the top. And so when you see somebody at the top, that is when you have to question of how they got there. That's why I've always been at all politicians are pieces of shit. How did they get there? What steps did they take to get to the top? And you should question that guilty until proven innocent. You should say like, okay, show me how you got here. Show me how you made your way here. Prove me wrong. Because right now I can, all I can think is that you got here through, like you missed the ball somewhere and you've gotten yourself up to this, this part of management um, so that you can, you know, what are your intentions? And maybe you find a few that don't have bad intentions. But we should all be questioning that authority, question everything, until proven, until they prove themselves. And when we start making, Paul, when we start making priests prove that they're not fucking child molesters, you know, you're the elder of a church. So you need to put these hard questions on. Hey, man, let us see your computer. Let us see your search history. You want to be the pastor of this church? Let us see your computer right now. No, you're not going to be the pastor of this church. Give us your phone and your computer right now. I'm the elder of the church. And how did the elder become the elder of the church? Because somebody made them see his computer and his laptop. And how do you want, you want to be in charge of a youth group? Let me see your computer and let me see your cell phone. Let us walk around your house. We want to talk to your child. Because we're going to let you in front of all of these these kids who are searching for religion, who are searching for something bigger than themselves, we have to be sure that your intentions are pure. We have to be positive. The only way we can do that is if you give us free access to your life. And that's the way it's got to be. And there has to be hard rules. What are we going to accept? What are we not going to accept? Oh, hey, this guy's got porn on his computer. Well, on the surface, that's a demon that he's got. Not everybody's perfect. You're always going to find something. How are we going to cancel? How are we going to counsel you through that? How are you going to work to not do that? You can't bring that into the church. That stays at home. It's like the whole gay thing. You can be gay. You can't be gay at church. You, you, you could smoke cigarettes and drink beer. You can't do it at church. This is the house of the Lord. All your sins, you keep it outside of the church. It's separate, right? We all have sins. That's fine, but it can't come into the church. So what are you going to do to not let this come into our church? How are you going to get rid of this sin out there so that it's not bringing in here. And that's how you have to do it. And, 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 and you might, that might, might be very difficult to find a youth pastor 
might be very hard to find a, a counselor. Maybe. But don't they do it with cops? Let me see your computer, Eric. Let's give you a lie detector, Eric. Let's call your wives, Eric. Your ex-wife. Let's call your ex-girlfriends. Let's call your neighbor. Let's let's call your commanding officer from 10 years ago in the military. You know, are churches doing this? Are the Boy Scouts doing this? They're not, I guarantee. I promise you they're not because I go to church and I, I have my kids involved in these things. I, I, I ask them all the time. Matter of fact, I was just at a music school that they had to get rid of a guy. And the guy was uh, a registered sex offender. And he'd been working at that school for two years. Mm-hmm. Under a fake name. Wow. Unbelievable. You know what I mean? Yep. Unbelievable, right? Um, and and, the, and the, the school is embarrassed. The school is upset about it. I mean, they, they didn't like it. Um, you know, and that, that sucks for them. I mean, luckily, they've got cameras around the school, and, you know, there, nothing happened. But this dude was a predator. I mean, he found a, a woman um, who had a daughter, and he ended up cheating on his wife with said woman and uh, marrying her and getting involved in some just some bizarre uh, chain of events that sprung from there where uh, restraining orders were put on the whole guy. But, I mean, he was uh, he was a predator, and he went to places where he could he could find the weak and the vulnerable, and he found somebody. Luckily, he wasn't a child. He wasn't a pedophile, you know, but, um, but he was preying on the weak. So... You know, if you're a leader in the church, if you're a leader in your community, if you're going to church, it all starts at it starts with the street cop level. It starts with the street, you know, higher echelon. They they weren't busting out this fucking cult. That cult would still be going on today. These kids would be still be having sex in front of their parents, learning how to use dildos at the age of twelve, so that they could then go have sex with this creepo Sam Bateman um, at fifty something years old. Uh, this would all happen if it wasn't for a street-level cop doing street-level things. Street-level civilian needs to start doing street-level things. You're in your church. You need to be making sure that the creeper in your church is outed. You need to make sure that your church is taking all the steps to make sure. And you need to explain to your church, hey, there's, there's one here, guys. There's one here. We need to figure out who it is. We need to get them out of here. So before you let your kids go spending the night at other houses, before you get your kids into, into Boy Scouts, before you get your kids into church, or you get your kids into the LGBTQ uh, rally. All these things. You need to do your checks and balances as a parent. Parental illness destroys more kids, and that's part of parental illness. When your kid is allowed to be diddled in a church, sorry, it's a parental fail. It's your fault. That is your fault. You put that kid in that thing. Sucks that it's your fault, but it's your fault. You know what I'm saying? You have to take ownership for that. It could, it could happen to anybody, yes, but it doesn't. It does not negate the fact that you put that child. That child would not have gone to that church if you didn't allow it. It is your responsibility. And then they get tittled, and then they have horrific, uh, traumatic anxieties going forward, and that leads them to to suicide. And that's why I always say it always. It's always the parents' fault. It's always the parents' fault. There was something you could have done better, and that's hard. Listen, I got five kids, so. You know, I'm very conscious of what am I doing that could forever change the lives of my kids. And I have to do my best. And, you know, have I failed at everything in my life up to now? Yeah. Am I probably going to fail as a father at some point? Yeah, I'm going to. Um, but I'm self-aware enough to know what my failures are and how to get better every single time and do better. And, and that's all you can do. You ha- But you have to try. You have to try. You have to try. It's your responsibility to do your best. Um and I cannot wait to break this down fully on Failure to Stop, top secret information, where I read you the entire story of this horrific and terrible sex cult, FLDS. Anything else for us, Drew? 
I know what's in your head. Uh, it's basically that I believe the children are our future. Uh, if you teach them well and let them lead the way, we need to show them all the beauty they possess inside, uh, give them a sense of pride and make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I lived as I believe. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. This has been another amazing episode of Failure to Stop podcast breakdowns with Drew Breezy and Eric Tanzi. Until next time, folks, guns up and giddy up. Ow!